taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. All right, y'all. It is good to be here. Um, I'm excited about the conversation that we are about to have. I'm going to pull in our guests. So today we are continuing our series, Hotels, Brotails. And I'm excited to have some guests with us today that are going to join in the discussion and help uh, help push us along. Uh, before I bring them in, I just want to just kind of um, share some foundational stuff that I also shared um, uh, in the previous weeks as well. So our format is different this month. It is largely discussion-based. It is not a typical and traditional sermon. And it is also leveraging something other than scripture as our starting point for the discussion. Uh, and so that might be different for some of you, but we're still saved. Um, we're still holy. Um, it's just that sometimes, and, and Jesus does this as well, like he talks in parables. Sometimes he, he doesn't use, you know, Old Testament scripture in order to communicate a point. Sometimes he uses just pop culture or things that are common to people. And so he'll talk about agriculture in order to make a point. He will talk about everyday life stuff to make a point. And so we're starting with some pop culture, some everyday life stuff to, um, leverage Jasmine Sullivan's vulnerability as she is willing to have the conversation that, that we have. We just don't have it amongst each other as Christians in a forum where we can begin to dissect things theologically. And so that's a that's a bit of what's going on. And the folks that are with us are theologians themselves. They are preachers. They are seminary graduates. And so well-trained in the all the critical thinking um, that relates to doing this work. So I'm going to bring them in at this time, and I want y'all to just blow up the chat, just welcoming them in, um, bringing in Reverend Hazel Cherry and back again, Reverend Stephen J. Thurston II. What's up, y'all? What's up? Good hey, to see y'all. Good morning. Really good to be good to have you guys here. So I've got I've enabled the chat overlay so that we can also see comments like as we're um, as we're going through the discussion. That way, if there are things that pop up that you guys want to want to touch on, you definitely uh, definitely can. Um, so real quick, let me share um, with a broader group just kind of the goals or objectives for this entire series. So goal number one is to heal the wounds and the scars that have been afflicted by inflicted by relationships. Um, the goal is also to heal, restore, or redeem the way that we relate to one another romantically. Uh, essentially, we need a better relational ethos, one that's guided by our faith and by our communal and cultural objectives. Let me also say um, that another point that, uh, or another uh point that I wanted to raise is that our goals for our community are often not aligned with how we show up for one another relationally. Um, we will never create and sustain healthy black and brown families if we show up in selfish, reckless ways for each other. Yeah. Um, and another point that I wanted to raise is that the foundation for the black family, for the brown family, for any family is in the bedroom. How we relate to each other relationally has direct impact on what the um, um, what the success, what the culture of our communities are going to be like. And again, oftentimes these things are disconnected. We say Black Lives Matter, but do we show up in our relationships as if Black men matter, as if Black women matter when we show up in the relationship? And so in short, we, some of us, are savages when it comes to relationships, regardless of whether or not we are Christians or not. And I'm hoping to get our Christian ethos to penetrate 
um, how we show up in our relationships. So that's that's a big part of what this entire series is about. So real quick, we got our guests here. Um, I'm going to have them give their like 30 second, like this is me bio. And then we're going to jump in. Let's start. With, let's start with you, um, uh, Hazel. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks, uh, Pastor D, uh, for having me. Hello to Stephen. Um, hello to everyone in the chat. I am a Howard Divinity graduate class of 2015 with my MDiv. I also have an MFA in creative writing, so I function very much in the realm of storytelling. I am a writer, a theologian, and cultural critic, but I love to write um, and communicate specifically through that medium. And so I'm very happy to be here today at the crux of my work is helping women to, to live spiritually free um, and to be aligned spiritually in a way that centers their liberation and their joy. So that brings me uh, today to today's conversation. Happy to be here. Dope. Good to meet you, Reverend Hazel. That's Demetrius. Always good to be back with you, man. City Point, an amazing place, doing some amazing work. I'm Stephen Thurston II, author of Mirror Moments. It's a book that focuses clearly on relationships challenging people to change what's within so that they can change what's around. And so I've been pastoring for 21, 22 years, uh, doing work in this relationship space, Morehouse, Mercer University, Oxford, all of that stuff. I've been to school. I know a little bit <laughs> something and try to translate those truths and practical principles into the lives of people to make them better as a whole, relationally and in all dynamics of life. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, want to reiterate guys we are live everybody so uh, feel free to throw your questions in the chat as we're in discussion <clears throat> and we'll be able to see them in real time and respond to them this is meant to be to be interactive um the last kind of disclaimer that i want to give is this is a this is let me see how to put it this is not a sunday sermon right <laughs> that is said is not gospel y'all this is this is discussion. This is Christians, theologians talking to each other. Some things you're going to agree with. Some things you're not going to agree with. Yeah. That's fine. Fundamentally, foundationally, all of us on here agree that Jesus um, <laughs> ate the ultimate sacrifice. He died. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. That's foundational. So salvation is taken care of. As we dig into the nuances, you might hear some things that you like. Nah, that ain't for me. That ain't. I don't believe that. Yeah, that don't mean that our church is heretical. It means <laughs> we're having a conversation. So I just want to just lay that out for everybody that that's watching. So we we understand kind of kind of what's happening. All right. You're going to hear a diversity of thoughts, both from people in the chat as well as from us in the discussion. But ultimately, we're trying to aim toward that goal that I set out with is building a better relational ethic um, for us. All right. With all that said. Um, let's let's get into it. So today we are talking, we're leveraging two things for the discussion. Um, in Jasmine Sullivan's album, Hotels, um, there is a song called The Other Side, and there is a song called Price Tags um, that I want us to get into. Let me do prayer real quick. I'm thinking through all the things that, that the holiness folks are going to be like, you didn't do, you didn't say. Let me pray, and then we're going to go into that. Lord, thank you for this discussion, for this opportunity. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will just let this be a fruitful discussion and lead us toward the objective. Thank you for your guidance in, in this series. And I thank you for the work that you have already done in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The other side and price tags gets into this idea of soft life. And um, the question that I want to raise to us is what role does money play in relationships and what role should it play in relationships? Let's start there. I think it plays a, a critical role, especially when you see as relationships transition into the marriage space, how that can be a major leading factor towards divorce and separation between couples. Everybody was raised differently. So our ethic, our mindset, our foundational understanding about money can be so skewed, so very, so different. And then a lot of people don't bring that conversation to the table on the front end. 
I mean, we may be compatible sexually, but are we compatible financially? We don't consider those types of things as we begin to build out relationship. I think it's a critical component, a crucial component, but often a component that's not dealt with properly and healthy in a healthy way at the onset and foundation of a relationship. That's real good. That's real good. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that at the crux of relationships, like you have all these ways that you can relate to one another. You talked about sexually, you talked about spiritually. And a lot of times when that money component is missing or is skewed, it messes up the rest of the relationship. So it's something that early on you have to talk about. I was having a conversation with a girlfriend. She's online dating. Um, and so she was saying, you know, this guy was talking to her and he didn't have a job. And so she was like, why are you on the dating app if you don't have a job? Like these are, you know, so when you think about money, you're thinking about something that is basic and a basic need as well. And so if it ain't right, some things are not going to align. So it's very important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to your point, uh, Rem Hazel, we have to recognize that people have been socialized differently about money. So for her, making sure that your finances are in order before you even attempt to date, that's a priority. For some people, hey, let's build together. And so yeah. people are at different spaces and places. And again, that goes yeah. back to those initial questions and conversations we have when we initiate relationship. Yep. Yeah. That's good. I have heard of people <clears throat> who have like their dating standards and they will only date like a person with a certain credit score. Like credit score has to be over a certain amount. Income needs to be over a certain amount. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. And, and particularly I've, I've only heard about it as it relates to standards that some of the sisters have um, as it relates to dating. Now, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I am a decade and a half removed from dating. Like it's a, it's a, whole, it's a whole new world <laughs> since, since I was out there, but I'm just interested in, in y'all's um, thoughts regarding those kinds of standards. So I think it's just number one, important for us to acknowledge that currency, right, has been a way that we have related to people for ages. So if you think about in biblical times, I was watching some of the previous conversations and you, Pastor D, were talking about like biblical marriage, right? It was like about uh, the diary from the father to whoever. It was about property, right? In this day and age, one way that we relate to one another is through money, the green money, right? That kind of currency. Um, sometimes it's like real estate and land a few decades ago, right? So I think if we start there at the base and acknowledge, we make judgments, we make assumptions about people's capacity, who they are, how they show up in the world based on their monetary status, right? Um, and unpack some of that. So some of that is unhealthy, right? If we only assume billionaires have what it takes to liberate us, if we only assume like people of a certain um, monetary status are worthy, then that is problematic. But at the end of the day, we do have and carry with us some ideas that can be treated in a healthy way about how people engage with money, right? And how we relate to money. Um, so I do think it's important to talk early on about how do you see people um, who make a certain amount of money, us who are of a certain class. And so that's saturated in our culture period, right? When we think about black excellence, we're usually talking about people who have money, right? And it's like, there are tons of people in the quote unquote ghetto who are brilliant, who are loving, who are so worthy, right? And may not have access. And so I think even another component of this conversation is to talk about the historically economic challenges that weigh into where somebody is in terms of their monetary access. So all of that is sort of wrapped up um, in dating for me. Now, I do think it can be problematic, but I do think people deserve to have whatever standards they want. You know, I'm not judging that. Um, so that's kind of where I fall. Yeah, from a, you brought up historical lens, so I'll jump on that historical okay. trend with you, Reverend Hazel. For about the past 200 years, uh, yeah. re re reciprocity has been a base of human uh, cooperation 
And so there's been this implicit or sometimes explicit mantra uh, within humanity of you solve my need, I'll solve your need. Mm -hmm. And so we've settled now for transactional relationships, even in the relational space. And transactional relationships can be difficult relationships and damaging relationships because when you get what you need out of the transaction, it doesn't build for anything else. It cuts off the sustainability and ultimately the success of the relationship. When the transaction is over, the relationship has no reason to exist. And so we find people hopping to the next one who can meet my need, who can buy the stuff that I probably can't even afford to buy myself. And so we find that Andrea asked a really good question um, that I just want to speak to. Um, It says, my question is, why are Black women who have higher levels of education and income told it's unrealistic to find a man that's on the same level? Um, She's been told she needs to date down. Um, And that's something I've heard as well. When I um, started my master's, I have two. When I started my first master's degree program, my male best friend was like, Hazel, now you know you can only date a certain caliber of men now, right? And I mean, it caught me off guard because it's coming from another brother, but there is some, I think, some reality to that. And that's why I think it's important to do the internal work, the integral work of like, what do I need? What you talked about uh, reciprocity, Reverend Stephen, like, what do I need to feel good um, about this person and in a relationship from them? It may not be an 800 credit score, but you may say, hey, I don't want a ton of debt. I don't want, you know, somebody who works retail day to day, like whatever those standards are, I think it's important to be honest about them. And then, you know, I don't believe in dating down. And I think that is an unfortunate thing, but I also understand, I keep going back to this systemic and systematic component of the ways black people, particularly black men, right? Um, have been disenfranchised when it comes to work and jail and like all of those things are such a major factor as well. Yeah. Those sociological implications mm-hmm. weigh heavy in the dating pool, especially if you're a black woman seeking a black male that's a cisgender black male only. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so I feel like I feel like some things need to be parsed apart, right? Um, we've got education and income level, right? Which I think I think can be parsed apart. So let's take the income level first, for example. I'm one who believes that when you get above a certain income level, the differences no longer matter, right? So for instance, a man man who makes 150 should care nothing about a woman dating a woman who makes 175. It's the same money in my opinion. A man who makes 90 should take no issue with a woman who makes 130. Like in, in my opinion, like both those salaries provide an individual with a, with more than enough to do to take care of beyond the necessities of life and to afford many of the luxuries of life in most U.S. cities, right? There's some that, that there are going to be some, some exceptions. Um, on the flip side, like for a woman to have a standard that I won't date a man who makes less than me, if we're talking about those same numbers, right, that I just threw out there, I think, I, I think that those differences are immaterial and can simply come down to what industry they selected. Um, so that, that's one thing that I would posit The other piece regarding education, I think that that can relate to a host of things. And education, like as a degree person, do I want to marry another degree person? Yes. If I'm a person with a PhD or a doctorate, does it matter that the person that I date has a bachelor's? I I don't know that it does, right? Because Again, when you get into a certain stratosphere, those things tend to matter a bit less, right? For a person who wanted their career to be in academia, sure, like, of course you would have gotten a PhD, but for a person who wanted their career to be um, in, in finance, in their case, perhaps 
it was just it was the bachelor's degree and and some good like leadership network opportunities within their company that they took advantage of and they've been able to establish a solid career there and it never made sense for them to invest additional time into getting additional education so i i, I struggle with that a little bit I'm, I'm interested in what you guys think in the chat as well as uh, what our guests think yeah i think there's some disruption even coming to that that mindset because with tech evolving people not necessarily mm -hmm. having to get educational attainment to boom, to do it, to make it, to launch a firm and be killing the game. People making billions of dollars with a high school degree, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So we have to reevaluate what's really important and why. I remember considering going to get my MBA and one of my business mentors pulled me to the side. He said, Steve, you're going to pay about 150000 to go to war. What are you going there for? I run a multi-billion dollar company and you advise me from time to time on decisions that I need to make and you don't have the MBA. So why are you really going? And so that same question needs to be asked about these standards that we set from an educational and a financial perspective about the people will engage. Why? What is it really about? Because it's often not about who the core of that person is that we're seeking to engage. And the money's going to fade, the look's going to fade, but who the person is at their core isn't going to fade when we're 60 and 70 years old pushing each other around in a wheelchair at the nursing home. Like, when Seattle and Viagra don't work, like, what do you have? <laughs> and that's what we <laughs> focus on when we're considering who we're engaging in with relationship, long-term relationships. Yeah, yeah. I think you make an important point, and I, I think that, you know, what matters to people is important. Like, I don't want to diminish that in any way. So whatever folks need to feel um, that the relationship will be reciprocal, equitable, good, loving, all of those things um, is important. I also think that the why is most important. And I think that in my experience, I've met some people who have degrees, who've had wonderful money and I've dated them and they're shitty. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, <laughs> you know, my standards are, is your heart good, right? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, can you treat the waitress nice as much as you will treat, you know, the, the manager of the establishment? Like, those are all important indicators for me. And then some of those other things are equally, if, you know, kind of fall under that. And I, I somebody, I can't scroll down on the comments, but somebody was talking about um, the need for intellectual stimulation, like that's certainly a value to me. And, and as you said, Stephen, like some folks may not have a degree or even high levels of money and can be intellectually stimulating, can provide some of the markers that we need. So again, I think it goes back to the why you need that and figuring out like what are the parameters around how a person can show up um, with those things. Yeah, I saw a comment that I wanted to tap into Pastor D, if you could, with that, uh, one of the ladies mentioned about females having degrees, attaining success, and they appear uh, unapproachable. I can't remember what the verbiage was by men. I want to tap into that. Some of that has to do back with socialization because men, boys are socialized to be provider, protector, all of that type of thing. I haven't been able to achieve and attain. You have. And so I don't know what place I fit in your life. And a lot of females, if we honest, they don't make it clear. Because they're looking at the paper, they're looking at the bags and the tags and can you provide all of this stuff? And if I don't feel that I can meet you at your level and you've not shown me any other entry point into your life, into your heart, into your spirit, then no, I'm not going to approach it. So we have to deal with how we're socializing and the messages that we put out on social media, because that's where we go to find our intel and insight on you before we even approach it. What you talking about, what you flashing, what you posting, what you saying? That matters. I think I think um, that's that's really important. Like the the sexism piece that you're you're naming. Just recently, Rihanna and ASAP did a cover for Vogue, right? And there has been a lot of backlash from folks who are like, "Support Black family. We love Black family." They're asking questions like, "Why is he behind her? Why is she? Why is he holding the baby?" And she's holding him. So I think that the socialization piece is really important because for some men, why is it not okay for a woman to be 
like empowered and more mm-hmm. and more empowered than you like yeah. right and so I think we have to like interrogate some of the nuances of that like yeah maybe some women who have achieved success have been super are, are not approachable right but have you considered like what they've had to endure to get to that point right and maybe understand why she is not as soft as you quote unquote mm-hmm. would want her to be right so like a lot of it I think is nuanced and like I would want to be with someone who can handle like my power um, and me owning that, right? Like, and I don't, I shouldn't feel like I should have to sort of dumb it down or dim my light. You know, it's not like a competition, you know, either. Like we're both in this together. So we should both be able to shine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that these are great points that you guys raise and I, so I've been trained to see everything everything that we do socially, like through a theological lens, right? Like it all loops back to some kind of malformed theology we have. So in thinking about um, the photo, I'm now, I'm wondering or asking myself, what's the malformed theology that caused people to have the response that they had? And I, and I think it goes back to how one, how one reads Genesis, how one interprets the creation story, And if one has been taught to embrace that creation story as this is a story of how God made man first and then as a means to support the man, God decided as an afterthought to create the woman. And the woman has served a problematic role since the beginning right? We talk about the temptation yeah. and has continued because that, that there's a narrative there that'll continue through scripture, right? That like women are a problem, women are a problem, women should serve these functions that benefit men. If that is your theology, which for most folks that just kind of have basic kind of traditional Christian fundamentalist beliefs, yeah. that is how you're going... That is how you're going to see things. And as a result, when you see a picture like that, you see a not only a reversing of order, Mm -hmm. you internalize it as a reversing of God's order. Right. And that becomes problematic. Yep. Why is she not only subverting him, but she's subverting God. And I think I think we got to step back and be critical about about that, um, that theology. Yeah, that that patriarchy is real and poisonous and us not recognizing the difference between prescriptive and descriptive text. You yes. combine the two of those together, it creates problems as we move forward in how we relate and engage with one another and respect each other, regardless of what gender we are. Yeah. yeah. I think it's on the roll too, like uh, pastors and faith leaders who do understand um, that there is nuance there, that there are different ways to be reading that text, to consistently bring people back to that, because it's such a fundamental um, grounding um, to how we view and relate to one another, even when we talk about LGBTQ, like, you know, all of it kind of goes back to that. Um, I see you pulling up this question here, so I'll pause so we we can look at it. I think this is a really good pivot, um, this point that Dawn raised. It actually came up in either the wind down on Wednesday. Yeah, I think it was the wind down on Wednesday. These ways in which white supremacy, capitalist values have seeped themselves um, or now dominate the way we think about relationships. And so I I would love to, to chat there for a bit. And then after that, I want to pivot into some of these themes that come out in price tags, right? The overt, I just want this nigga for his money kind of thing, or I just want her <laughs> money type of mentality. So I want to pivot there after we hit on, on Don's point. Yeah, white supremacy, um, you know, has definitely infiltrated the way we as Black people show up in our faith, right? So like even the idea of understanding that our our ancestors on the continent, right, 
knew of Christ. Like white people didn't give us Christ. <laughs> they didn't give our ancestors Christ. Like acknowledging um, that kind of work is really important. And when we do the work to kind of uncover then, if that is the case, what were societies like then, we'll get some revelations about how influential women were, right? Like um, a lot of this hierarchy of men uh, coming before women, a lot of that is, is comes out of whiteness, right? It comes out of colonization. That's not who our ancestors are and how they functioned, right? Um, so I think it's important to kind of know your roots. And again, you have to want to know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you have to uh, put yourself in spaces and places where people are, are doing the work. I know City Point um, is one of those spaces, but not everybody has that kind of access or even wants it. Like some people want to stay um, into the patriarchy. You know they, I mean? stay, um, stay. they don't want to be free. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. 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 And, and even our sexual ethic. I used I hated church history when I was in seminary, but I grew to love it and I adore it now because it paints such a clear picture. Most of our sexual ethic ain't from God, ain't from the Bible. It's from the Victorian era and how white people yes. superimposed what yes. their standards were. And it trickled yes. down and we still live under that stuff. How, how white women were taught to be raised has kind of been superimposed on the biblical womanhood and all of that. Mm -hmm. We got to do the research and do the study to recognize the roots yeah. of what all of this stuff is really about, because they're all about control and conquering. That's all white people have ever done. They have nothing to celebrate in their history other than controlling and conquering. And they even do it from a spiritual lens. Come on now. And I think it's important too to just name that like, if we're going to talk about the biblical text in Genesis, everything that God created is good, right? And so that sexual self is good, okay? That clitoris is good. Those, You know what I mean? Like all of it yeah. goes in line. And so I think that we've been taught to kind of parse and push away from that as well. Yeah. It's like, no, in the beginning, God said all of this was good, everything. Yeah. And so even the root word of Adam, right? We know that means humanity, not just male, like male and female, all of this is good. And so I think um, pushing people to go back there when we speak about the biblical text, it's like everything that comes with what it means to be human initially is good, right? So embracing that and speaking from our sexuality, even from that point. Let me let me posit this piece um, before we pivot off of uh, just talking about like standards and income differences. Um, I saw somebody mention like potential and drive. And when I reflect on my marriage, my relationship, even before we got married, um, I think the key thing that Carl and I were both attracted to regarding each other was drive and, and ability to dream. So we used to, Carl used to live in Bronzeville. I would pick her up from, um, from work when we were dating because um, I had my business was downtown and her, well, South Loop and then her business was was uh, or her job was in um, was downtown as well. So I would pick her up. I would drive her home. So I don't I want her like to have to take the L because she's like an out of towner. And I'm like, you do not understand what getting off at 51st Street on the green line. You don't understand what that means. Like you walking past this this methadone clinic with your headphones on like Lottie dot like you, you don't understand this community. I would take her home and we would drive King Drive going from downtown to her place. And we would just like marvel at the buildings and dream about like owning some of them someday. And, and today we do. Right. Like that. And so early on in that dating phase, we were already dreaming together. And marriage has been about doing the work to try to materialize those dreams. Yeah. But when we were dating, like I was eating what I killed as an entrepreneur and she was already like, like strong in her corporate career. So income levels, totally different. Um, clearly an intellectual, I was clearly a dreamer, but in terms of having the, the bag on the level that she had, I didn't. Um, I hadn't finished my college degree yet at that point. Um, potential dreamer, intellect, all that stuff. But her equal educationally, financially, I was not. We got married. 
it wasn't until eight, uh, seven years after we got married, six years or so that I got my degree. And a part of me being able to go back to get my degree was because we were sharing home finances together. Right. And so she helped me reach potentials that I could reach. Yeah. If we want to tell the truth about City Point, I don't know if City Point would have gotten out of the out of the baby bassinet, if you will, of church startup had it not been for the way that Carla was securing the bag in corporate at that time. Right. When I start, when we started City Point, like I made less than a person who runs, who like works as a coordinator at an after school program 20 hours a week. Right. And she was still making corporate money, but we were able to together invest in the church um, because of that. So I say all of that to say, I think ours is a relationship totally where education, um, income, was never on par only the education piece only became on par this last year when i finished my master's degree income will likely never become on par i work in nonprofit she works in corporate the ceilings for the two are very different but in terms of showing up for each other in valuable ways in relationships we have all of that so i just wanted to to share and make that point yeah I love it. You all have determined what's most important. And you saw yeah. another person where you could plug into strengths and weaknesses were opposite. So that attracted and you could plug into each other and help each other build. That's what mutability is in a relationship, because what a lot of people have and what we see in the lyrics of that, those songs you mentioned is a situation ship and not a relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to pivot into um, unless you wanted to jump in here. Reverend Hazel, go ahead. Go ahead. I wanted to pivot into these aspects that kind of get deeper into relational ethos as I talk about it. Um, in price tags, this is clearly not about like I have standards and this is who I'm looking for. It's clear there. I'm looking for somebody to take care of me. Right? She's like, I'm gonna move to Atlanta. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's in the other side. Other side, yeah, right. Because in the other side, she's like, I'm gonna move to Atlanta, I'm gonna find me a rapper, he's gonna buy me a booty, Mm -hmm. maybe I'll star in a movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I gotta keep up my fitness, maybe I'll start my fitness. You know, saying she runs down all the things that she wants to do so she can live a better life because she's tired of struggling. In price tags, is dialogue between Jasmine Sullivan and and Anderson Pack about this kind of made up relationship where she is like the person who only dates ball players and um and is chasing all the things related to money trying to entrap him by having a kid and and all of that stuff so i do want to just raise up the trash ways that we can show up in relationships related to our thirst for money and how that relation how that ethic mm-hmm. needs to be cleaned up particularly amongst christians and it and it happens across gender expressions Sure. The, 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 the cultural context in which we live, I think, drives this um, mm-hmm. phenomena. I'll say it that way. And to the point of like you and your wife, if you look back over the generations of our forefathers, foreparents, they look more like you and your wife in building together rather than the mindset that we have now. I'm looking for a quick come up. And I think it shows in the sustainability. I know there are some other factors that go into why couples have stayed together from previous generations longer than we see now. But I think some of that also has to do with the mindset about building together and not looking for that come up and not being so driven by materialism and consumerism. Yeah. I just want to hint a little bit at her desire to be taken care of. And I think that it is something that both men and women actually want, right? You want to be supported. You want to feel like you're coming into a relationship and that person has you monetarily, right? That person has you um, from in all 
other aspects as well. And so one of the things when I was, I was like, let me just put the song on repeat, put the songs on repeat. And so there are specific lines that I'm like, this is a little bit more than just like, at least for the other side, this is a little bit more than just like gold digger, right? This is like genuinely wanting to be taken care of. And I just don't think that that is a foreign desire for a lot of Black women the topic when you invited me was about the soft life, right? And so that's been defined quite a few different ways. And I know the way that you're defining it is like peak housewife, right? But I do think beyond just like that definition of it, for Black women specifically, those of us who have been overworked, those of us who have like followed all the rules and they're still not married if that's our desire still don't have um children or the things we want like the idea to really have someone a hundred percent like in our corner and it's like you know what baby i want to take care of you if you want to work great i support that if you don't that's fine too like i don't see that desire as something to be demonized i see that as like you know what uh, the history of black women in this united states of america and beyond like the things that we do the labor that we put out right and if perhaps all she got to do is be fine and get a booty and be taken care of maybe that is the way like for her like you know what i'm saying so i think you know, there's additional ways to be speaking about this. I'm not at all saying that, you know, being a gold digger, only going, you know, only going for people with a high level status is something that we should be consistently propping up. Like culture plays a huge role in how we even see uh, wealth and money and status in that way. But I do think that there is some validity in sister saying like, hey, I actually want to be with somebody who's not going to add stress to my life, who's not going to ask me to do extra, extra labor, who's not going to ask me to raise them up like they're my, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, so that that's something that really did come up for me in listening to um, these songs. I heard something else in addition to what you heard in the songs. I heard it from the lens of sociology and psychology. This sounds like a presenting issue. What's her deeper pain that she's trying to address through materialism and success? Because success is not success is not sexually transmitted. Mm. And so females who have this mindset have to recognize this. I dated some I dated the former wife of a high profile NBA player. And I recall a lady had put something on social media about these girls buying Birkins, blah, blah, blah. She need to be stacking the money so she can buy real estate, blah, 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 blah. And my girlfriend at the time saw it and responded back to her and said, let me let me welcome you into this world because you ain't never been here. What that world looks like is I'm different from most of the wives and girlfriends. They don't have access like you think they have access. There are a lot of rules and regulations and paperwork that has to be signed that limits. And so what you think you see that you like on social media, that ain't really the lifestyle. They ain't got nothing. If he decides to leave, she's left with nothing. And so a lot of people who have the mindset which has been communicated in the lyrics of these songs that we're talking about don't know what's happening on the backside and what that life really looks like. And what you really yeah. got to put up with and not to go Ken of Samuels on us, but a high net worth man and a high value man that's working and hustling and making high six and seven figures. They busy. They're not going to be able to tend to all of yeah. your emotional needs. So are you strong enough to put up with what you're asking for? Has to be a question that has to be wrestled with. I think that's woo. The um, sexually transmitted, we got the amen corners here in the chat. Like, I want to amen. And want to amen to that as well. And I also want to say, you know, some of this is really, like, nuanced for me. Because I have met men who are like, I don't want a gold digger. But, like, also, like, I got all this money, so this makes me, you know, be able to do whatever I want to do. Right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. where is... <laughs> where is the medium here? Like, yes, you have status, you have wealth. Okay. But that doesn't make you above integrity. That doesn't make you above like having a good heart. And so I feel like 
those folks need to to match up with each other. The gold digger and this man who out here like let me just do whatever. They seem like they would be in line, aligned. Right? <laughs> exactly. But for people who are like genuinely, somebody asks like genuinely, why would someone want to be taken care of? I think if you're only thinking of that in terms of money and like somebody spending on you and you don't have to do anything, that's one thing. But to take care of one another in a relationship to me is a serious ethic. Like I need to know that you're going to care for me spiritually. I need to know that you're going to care for me uh, financially. I need to know that you're going to care for me physically. Like all of these things, if something were to happen. So like the genuine idea of caring for one another is something that should be rooted in our relationships, right? But it shouldn't be um, rooted in this sort of manipulative kind of way as she's talking about, you know, leading from the vagina space. Like my pussy is wet because he making money. Like that, if that's, that's only it, then that's a problem, right? Yeah. But beyond that, our ethics should be one of like, I'm entering this relationship with this person because I do want to care for them, right? And I do want them to be fully in terms of reciprocity caring for me. Does that does that work both ways? Does that does that work both ways? I'm because I'm I'm putting our current conversation, our early conversation in conversation with each other and wondering, can guys show up in relationships seeking being taken care of blatantly financially in the way that Jasmine describes? I I think, I think naturally the assumption is when we talk about being taken care of, we're talking about, can you cover the home front? Um, Can you do other supportive things, but not the financially supportive things? And so my, and so if that's the case, my push is if we are deconstructing gender roles, if we are indeed deconstructing patriarchy, let's let's tear the whole thing down. And let's say it is just as okay for a brother to be seeking that if it is all if it is okay for a sister to seek that. But I hear people, I hear people pulling in bad exegesis to pull in texts like, well, if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. So all right, we're gonna do that. <laughs> We gonna do that with that text, but all of the all of the other texts that are very patriarchal, we gonna dismantle mm. those. I, I'm just pushing for consistency. We're yeah. come on, we're we're scriptural and ethical sluts. We sleep with theology and text that suits our needs, and we pivot it and position it to prop us up. So we're not gonna do that. We're going to clown him. We're going to call him scrubs, as I've seen in the comment section. All that. <laughs> right. We're going to look at Mary J. Blige's ex-husband and dog him out because he asked. Oh, we her. sure will. Yeah, we're going to do that. We not, we not, <laughs> yeah. Demetrius, we ain't going to get the same treatment, man. We got to, because we've been socialized. We're men. We're supposed to be providers and we're supposed to bring home the bacon. So I do think there there is ways to like muddy the waters, right? Like, there is a double standard that comes up, right? Um, in terms of like, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the laughing emojis, but in terms of like, you know, men not having anything or not being able to bring anything financially to the table. But I do think it is important to acknowledge like the word alignment, right? So like we're talking about having two people we're, we're trying to get people to have healthy, ethical relationships. If a man comes to the table with nothing and expects to be fully taken care of, what kind of man is that, right? He has to be able to find somebody. He has to be able, I'm talking, speaking specifically from alignment. He will have to just find somebody who's good on that, right? Who's okay with that. There are some women who are like, you know, I make whatever money. If you take care of the home front, babe, like we can do this, right? I think nobody should be able to come to a relationship table with nothing, right? And saying like, this is who I am. And what I mean by nothing, I'm not just talking about monetarily because maybe you don't have a lot of money. Like that came up in the chat. Maybe he doesn't have a lot of money, right? And that came up in your story, Pastor D, right? But what else are you bringing to the table where we are in alignment, okay? 
be true to whatever your standards are, right? But find people who are in alignment because maybe you trying to date somebody who is bringing nothing to the table, but you're trying to date the wrong person, right? Like you have to find somebody who is willing to have that give and take and not everybody not everybody has that. I'm not going to speak what I feel personally, but I do think it is important for every person. And I, 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 we're talking a lot in terms of just male and female. And I am somebody who is LGBTQ supportive. So when I'm thinking about everybody, I'm thinking about however you date, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody should come to the table saying, here's my capacity. Mm -hmm. Here's my capacity emotionally. Here's my capacity spiritually. Here's my uh, capacity financially. Let's evaluate if this is in alignment. And if it's not, then peace be with you. Okay? No, no shade, no hating, no nothing. But you have to be able to have those conversations up front. I don't think, and this is just me, I don't know anybody who wants a super lazy partner. Period. Like you talked about dreaming, Pastor D. That's that's a serious characteristic because you may not have money, but you got to be able to dream. And even beyond the dream, you need to be able to network because I know a lot of dreamers who ain't putting nothing behind their dreams, right? So like some of these things are really important and it's important to really find people, again, going back to that alignment with both of our capacities and does it align. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So just uh, as we as we wrap this conversation, I'm thinking about a particular text that talks about doing unto others as we would have them do unto us. And I think that is a, a fundamental that we need to bring back to if they are not presently in how we approach relationships, showing up in the way that we want other people or the other person to show up for us, if it is showing up a value to us is showing up in reciprocal ways that don't necessarily have to be transactional, but reciprocal. I bring things to the table. I want the other person to bring things to the table. I don't want to be taken advantage of. And so I'm not going to take advantage of a person in a relationship. Um, I value financial security. So I want to ensure that I can also do what I can to provide security for the other person. Right. Because, those of us who lived through 2008 through about 2013, remember that having a good job means absolutely nothing in terms of financial security. It means you're secure today and don't speak a whole lot for tomorrow. Yeah. But part of that security is ensuring that even if I'm not out here going to get it right now because of our arrangement, I have the tools, the network, um, the credentials to go get it. If, if some roles need to change in our house. So those are some parting words that I want to leave us with. Um, and then just open open it up, Reverend Hazel and Steve, if, if you all want to wrap us up with a, with a final thought. I yield to Reverend Hazel first. <laughs> Look at y'all, that's a word, the man yielding. Come on now, somebody say amen. Um, the end... <laughs> Let me stop. Um, I'm modeling. Oh, I <laughs> um, I think that all relationships, and we're, we're thinking theologically, right? We're thinking about this um, through the lens of scripture. And what Jesus talks about is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so the root of that saying is love, right? And a lot of our relationships have been so infiltrated by pop culture that we miss some real opportunities to, to interrogate ourselves. Like, hey, here are my standards. How many of these standards are really rooted in the idea of love, right? In the, in, in the idea that I, what I'm bringing to the table and what this person is bringing to the table will be rooted in love. And that's not the only thing that sustains a relationship. Those of y'all who are married or have long-term par partnerships know like love is one part of it, but it is a critical part. So like, am I, are my standards moving from a place of love? I think that's really, really important. Nobody wants to be taken advantage of, but I don't want to have standards that put me above the other person because I'm already setting myself up to be in an inequitable relationship, right? So I think a lot of the ways that we speak about relating to each other have to go back into 
I'm doing this for love. I want to create this family from a space of love. And I want this unit to be an exemplar of love, of love of God, like moving through us, right? As a people together, as a unit together, whatever that unit looks like. And I feel like all of the other stuff will, will come if we're moving from a space of integrity, if we're moving from a space of components of moving from a space of love. So that's what I have um, to offer us today. Thank you. When we consider those texts that talk about doing to others as you do unto you, you know, yourself and love your neighbor as you love yourself, the key component is self. How you love yourself is going to dictate how you love other people. And because many of us hate ourselves, don't like ourselves, don't love ourselves, we end up treating people that we engage in relationship romantically at the marriage level like trash because we haven't done the, the internal work first. And I, I want to challenge people, again, change what's within if you want to change what's around. Work on you, become a better version of you so that when you show up in the lives of other people, you show up in an authentic way, an integral way, and in a way that brings, again, mutuality to the relationship where both parties are serving the other party. And when you do that, you both grow and blossom and develop together. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's right. Hey, guys, um, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm going to put it in the chat here. Um, to go to. Go to Pastor Thurston's website, check out his book there. I'm going to try to show it. Here we go. Um, Mirror Moments it is really dope book. And I think that I think you'll be blessed by it captures some of these thoughts that he even shared today about just how we need to do better by ourselves uh, or get ourselves to let me step back. Rev, you 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 describe it because you you are better at <laughs> describing this work. No, man, you were doing great. I was about to say, hey, let me take you on the road with me. We got to do better about ourselves and work on ourselves. We always point the finger out, not recognizing that it's like three fingers pointing back itself when you do that. Stop pointing out and point in. Do the internal work. Have that introspective moment. Look in the mirror because the truth comes out in the mirror. Who and what you are are going to be right there. No, no pretentious presentations when you look in the mirror. So when you look there, be honest about yourself and see what needs to tweak and change. Because if you wouldn't date you, if you wouldn't marry you, if you wouldn't be friends with you, why do you expect somebody else to? Work on developing yeah. self so that you can present better and attract what's needed and necessary for the forward movement of your life. Amen. Amen. So y'all, y'all go get that book. Thank you guys so much. Please y'all blow up the chat. Tell them how much we appreciate them being with us today. Reverend Hazel Cherry, Reverend Stephen J. Thurston II. Thank you guys so much for setting aside some time today. Reverend Thurston already preached and then jumped on here to be with us. So again, thank you guys for being with us and I uh, look forward to, yeah. to connecting again soon. Yeah. Sounds good. Appreciate this. All right, y'all take Thank care. Thank you. Take care. All right, y'all hang on. We have uh invitation to Christ and a few announcements, and then I'll let y'all get uh I'll let y'all get up out of here. So uh if you've never accepted Jesus Christ for salvation, today is the perfect, perfect day to do it. It simply acknowledges that on my best day, I come up short. If you're accepting Jesus for the first time, if you are um, repenting of your sins, accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today is the perfect, perfect day to do it. Um, you can simply text BELIEVER to 844-877-9729. Additionally, you can go to our website, uh, go to the membership tab, and uh, there you can find information about letting us know that you're accepting Christ for the first time, and a member from our team will follow up with you. And then also, if you've already accepted Christ, and you're just like, hey, I need to be a part of a church family. And perhaps these weeks that we've been together in this series have indicated to you that like, this is a cool place for me to connect with, like to be a part of a church community. If that's the case, then let's stop dating and let's like Jagged Edge say, like, let's let's get married. Let's make this official. Um, I would love to be your pastor. City Point Community Church members would love to be a part of your church family. And so if that's you, I invite you to text membership to 844-877-9729 and a member from our team will follow up. Additionally, you can go to our website 
and uh, go to that membership page and uh, fill out the information there. And a member from our team will follow up with you. And then finally, if you desire prayer, um, you can text your prayer request to 844-877-9729. Need to pray about anything, whatever. Our team would love to be able to agree with you in prayer about whatever you are seeking God for. Um, text your prayer request to 844-877-9729. All right. So I want to jump into just a few brief, brief announcements. Give me two minutes and we'll be out of here. Um, so the Community Fund Capital Campaign is still going. Um, these are our goals for the Community Fund Campaign. We are leveraging this these funds to provide support for members of our congregation, particularly this year, we are supporting people paying off debt. Um, so our goal, uh, our next goal is coming up February 28th. It is to reach another $15,000. So I'll give you guys an update on where we are next Sunday and um, um, let you know how close we are to that goal. But I really more than anything want us to be continuing to push toward this $45,000 goal by Easter. So we got to we got to get serious about it. It's tax refund time for some of us. So we got a little extra. I want you to pray about how you can be generous with that extra. Be selfless with that extra. It's corporate bonus time for some of y'all. Um, it's stock vesting time for some of y'all. I want you to pray about how can I be generous toward this kind of um, cooperative economic community uplift work that we're doing at City Point. A um, few different ways that we have for you to give. You can give through text, text 312-313-1800. The keyword is community fund. So if you can text the dollar amount that you wish to give to that number, followed by the keyword community fund, all one word. And then it automatically, that money that you sent will be designated to that fund. You can also give through our website, through um, um, Zelle, give at citypointcc.org. You can give through our website, um, the give page on our website. And then if you wish to donate stock, you can do that through stockdonator.com. Um, just search for City Point Community Church there. All right. A couple more announcements real quick. So we are shifting our in-person calendar. So beginning in March, we will meet on the first and third Sunday of the month. This is in response to feedback that we received from folks via the town hall and also the survey folks wishing for more in-person services. Um, and so we felt the compromise would be for us to go from one per month to two per month. So here it is, March 1st and, first and 3rd Sunday, we'll meet in person. April, because of Easter, and May, because of Mother's Day, we're going to meet first and second Sundays of those months. And then June, we'll be back on this first and third Sunday schedule. So please put that in your calendar, plug it in your your Google calendar or whatever calendar you use um, so that you'll know when we are in person. Um, it's a great, great season in our church. Like we are so in our bag right now. The series is going phenomenal. Um, I feel like I got my swagger back as a, as, as a pastor and preacher. I feel like I'm back in my bag. Um, and so thank you guys. This has been, um, this has been quite a journey over the last few years losing momentum during COVID. And then now we're starting to regain our footing. And I just am very excited about it. Community groups are continuing this week. Um, we've got three weeks of it. We had our first week on last uh, last Thursday. It was phenomenal. Uh, author Candice Marie Bimbo was with us and she did phenomenal. If you missed it, you missed it. But you can still jump in for this week. She won't be with us, but we'll still have our co-facilitators uh, Patty, as well as Queen, are co-facilitating, and they did a phenomenal job last week as well. So um, if you have not registered, you can go to our website or the link is in our bio on our socials uh, to be able to register for the Red Lip Theology community group. So it is Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m., and you'll be jumping in on week two. All right. Our series uh, will conclude next Sunday. Our Hotels Brotel series will conclude next Sunday. Um, so look forward to seeing you guys there. Next Sunday will be uh, pre-recorded um, because of some scheduling, um, dynamics of scheduling, but still looking forward to us being able to uh, dialogue in the chat as well. I'll be in live in terms of like managing the chat. So 
I will have that component going. And then last but certainly not least, uh, next Sunday, we've got a, a grief therapy group session. So we're launching this thing that we call uh, we're launching this thing that we call City Point Care. And what it is, is it is a uh, it is an initiative where we are seeking to provide sort of some next level care for our congregation Um grief therapy, um, family counseling and therapy, looking to provide those uh, two pieces in particular uh, in the short term, as well as just general counseling uh, we're looking to provide. And we'll, we will be pulling in and contracting uh, counselors to do this work. And so this first one that we're kicking off is centered on group therapy and Reverend Wanjiku Kamuyu Anderson will be facilitating this one hour long um, group uh, grief therapy session next Sunday, immediately after service. So we'll end on time next Sunday. So it'll be 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. that she'll have this session. So you can register at our website. The link should be up before the end of the day for you to register on our website and be a part of that. And then secondly, what's going to happen is after this, if you want to go one on one with her to just kind of deep dive into some grief that you're working through, um, she will have a Calendly uh, link set up so that you can book time, um, 30 minute hour long sessions with her. And um, and this will be the same dynamic with all of our counselors that we're pulling in for um, for our project. You'll be able to book time with them. It's at no cost to you. City Point will cover invoices uh, to provide this care. So we're very excited about being able to uh, being able to provide this and hope that you guys can can really take advantage of it. All right. So that is my uh, that is my final announcement. And again, I just want to say, guys, thank you so much for uh, being a part of this conversation and all that you guys have contributed. And I look forward to seeing you guys uh, on Thursday in community group. And then next Sunday, uh, I'll see you guys back in the stream. Let's close out in prayer. Lord, we thank you for all that we experienced today. I thank you for the conversation. I thank you for the candor. Thank you for the insight. I thank you for community that happened today where believers were able to be built up and grow from one another. Thank you for that. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will continue to strengthen us as a church, continue to make us healthy, uh, continue to grow us as people. I pray your blessings over us. I pray your blessings over our church family. Um, I pray that you will cover our kids as they go back and forth to school, to daycare, while they're on their college campuses. I pray that you will cover them in the name of Jesus. And I pray all these blessings in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, y'all. I love you. Thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing. And uh, until then, um, peace. I'll end with uh, the pastoral care piece if anybody needs to connect.